Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome back to Porsche Cooled, Porsche Cooled podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Barth. This podcast, as most of you know, if you've been listening to me over the past 16 episodes, we're up to episode 17. The Porsche Cooled podcast is an extension of my YouTube channel. It's an extension of my love of Porsche. It's an extension of... Uh, I don't know. What is it an extension of? It's not my extension of my life. I guess it's an extension of my my enthusiasm for Porsche. Um, the thing about enthusiasm and the thing about, you know, being a Porsche enthusiast or a car enthusiast of any type is that it somehow gets, uh, it gets a little bit um, disheartening, I guess is the word, disheartening, because there's so many people doing podcasts and there's so many people doing YouTube channels that have uh, multiple, multiple cars. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but a few of the podcasts I've been listening to. Uh, And the thing is, you know, you can have one Porsche, you can have one 911, you can have 10 911s, you can have 20 911s. The the grounding factor, the, 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 the reason why we love Porsche is pretty much all the same. Uh, If you have the funds and you can buy more than one, why not? Uh, I'm guessing we all would like to have more than one Porsche. We'd like to have more than one 911. I don't know why I'm thinking about this today, but I was just uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier. Um, my latest, uh, one of my latest favorites is uh, the Spikes Car Radio. Um, I know my friend will probably be laughing if he's listening to this because I said I wasn't so keen on Mr. Spike, uh, but um, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying it, and I think what's a what's a great thing about their podcast is is, is that him and uh, the real Zuckerman or Zuckerman. Uh, and if you haven't listened to the Spikes Car Radio, you should take a listen to it because it's Porsche-centric, uh, Porsche-centric. So if you like following Porsches and you like everything about Porsche, well, then that's that's a good one to listen to. But I think what's great about them is is the fact that they are enthusiasts. Uh, they're also collectors and they have, you know, Zuckerman has a lot of Porsches and uh, Spike has a few. They also share a few, which I think is a great thing to do between friends and you know, if you can do that and you have the funds to do that, I think that's a great idea. Their enthusiasm is infectious, I think it is. It's, it's, you can see when you're listening to them that they are genuine and they just love talking about their car and they love driving cars. And, you know, I think that's what it's all about. And sometimes you think, you know, I only have one 911. Uh, there was a time, and I have to think back not that long ago, where I didn't even have a 911. Uh, and I was one of those people who wanted a 911. And just to have one 911 was sufficient. Uh, I think we get a little bit greedy and we start sort of dreaming a bit much and we want more than one. In saying that, that hasn't stopped my quest in the search and research over the past week. Uh, I guess this podcast today, I'm just I'm just going to, I'm not going to use the word ramble, but I'm just going to chat to you guys uh, and tell you what I've been doing over the past week, uh, what I've been thinking Porsche-wise, what I've been doing Porsche-wise, the things that I've, uh, well, I haven't bought them yet, I'm trying to buy for my 997. Um... I, I seem to always have issues with uh, people responding to me who are artists or, or tradesmen, but um, that's going to come through because I know the guy's really genuine and really, really good. That's to do with the leather parts for my um, 997. But yes, so I am still on the quest. I'm on the quest about learning as much as I can about the Porsche 912. Uh, I did mention it in my last podcast, and I did mention my obsession with uh, 912s and my obsession and all my american listeners are laughing my obsession to bring a trailer uh, i've realized that bring a trailer you know you can buy a car in the u.s and you can actually get it sent to australia and it's not that difficult if it's over 30 years old uh, it's all okay uh, 
I didn't actually introduce myself properly in the beginning because uh, some of you don't know I'm actually based in Bahrain, and um, but my car is in Australia, my 911, 2006 997 Carrera, uh, Carrera 2. But I am passionate and I'm enthusiastic and I'm always looking. Uh, and when I talk about the 912, someone asked me that, I think, during the week. Uh, I haven't forgotten about the GT3. I've still got the, the 997 GT3 in my head as well. That's on my list. Uh, but I wanted to get an air-cooled 911. The 912 somehow came into focus. It's always been there, uh, but it came into focus. Sorry about the buzzing noise. My emails are coming through. Um, so this week I've been looking at 997s. Uh, I've been looking at 912s, and I've been looking at the ones that are available on Bring a Trailer, a red polar red one. I've been looking at them on Classic Car Trader or Classic Cars UK, uh, which sort of just brings together private and dealer sellers. And I've been looking at them on Beverly Hills Car Club, uh, and I've been looking at them on Car Sales, which is a car site in Australia. I guess I am... How serious am I? I'm reasonably serious. I'm reasonably serious in that I have a figure in my head that I want to get to if I was going to do it, and I don't really want to go over that figure. It seems that the good ones are probably more expensive than I thought they were to begin with. In the US, I don't know whether I mentioned it in the last podcast, but there is one in the US. It's a three dial. Uh, the 912s came out in 65. They ran to 69. There is a three dial and there is a five dial. There is a three dial uh, painted dash and there is a three dial, which is the black dash. Um, the one that's for sale at Beverly Hills Car Club is a three-dial green dash. Uh, it looks like it's had some type of restoration to it. It's very, very clean. Um, the seats are the leather with the kind of cord velour insert, which is quite classic of that time. Uh, has a large steering wheel. It doesn't have a wooden steering wheel. Um, and basically, it's a painted dash. It's green painted. The car is in Irish green. Uh, Irish green is my choice of colors for the 912. Uh, I don't mind the yellows. I don't mind the champagne yellow. I don't mind the sand beige. My knowledge has grown during the week, though, because I have actually been looking at 912 uh, Registry, I think it's called. Uh, I've been looking on their forums and reading all the information that they have, uh, which is a really great resource. And I, I, I did go to it years ago. I remember going to it. Uh, it's obviously got a lot bigger. Um, but they have they have manuals. They have old advertising for the car. They have... You know, and all the members are very active and very helpful. And I think if you bought a 912, you'd, you'd, you'd have a really good resource there with that, um, with that site. So what did I find in my search for the 912? Well, I guess it's when you start looking at a car when you're not really that sure about it. You know it's a 911. The 912 is a 911 body. Uh, it's a 911 body and it's a short wheelbase and then it became a long wheelbase. I think it became a long wheelbase, which was 2.5 inches two and a half inches longer, I think it was, in a, for the 69 model year, or 68, 68 and 69 model year. I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me on that one. Um, and the 912 became a longer wheelbase because the 911 body became longer. They made it longer to give it more stability for a better driving experience. Um, I think they shifted the position of the engine, something like that. So there's a short wheelbase and there's a long wheelbase. Um, what I'm not sure about at the moment is, is that some people say the 65, the early ones are good. If you can get a three-dial painted dash, that's quite rare. And the early ones had the gear shift from the 356, the same shape. Um, in fact, the dash on the early 912s is very reminiscent of the one in the 356. 
Um, the 912 was brought out to fill the gap, so to speak. It was there to fill the gap between the expensive 911 six-cylinder and the 356 that was being um, outdated, out, uh, was it obsolete, I guess, replaced, replaced with the 911. So I guess Porsche didn't want to lose sales, so they brought out the 912. The 912's had a weird history, though, because it hasn't always been expensive. Um, people are picking up on it today, uh, me being one of them. Um, I don't know whether I'm too late to the party, uh, but I am very, very interested in them. I like how they're a bit slow, and they're not super slow because they're light, but I like how it's slow. I don't think it's always about going fast. I like from the videos that I've seen from people selling, uh, there's a Polo Red one for sale on Bring a Trailer at the moment, and they people post uh, drive videos. I like how it sounds. It's very raw. It's very, I like how it's really basic. I think... I think it's not the trend, but I think the general feeling for me is that it's starting to the point where now I'm looking at, yeah, I love the new Porsches. I love the GT3 RS and I love the GT2 RS, the new models. And I love the, you know, I still, I like the 992 Carrera S and I watched a review of the Carrera S convertible on Smoking Tire on YouTube yesterday with a manual transmission. And it's a fantastic car. But I think sometimes you have to like reassess and look back and think, do I want an old car driving experience? Do I want a classic car driving experience? And if I was going to buy a classic car, what classic car would I purchase? And, you know, Porsche might not be the first one that comes to mind. It could be an old Aston Martin or it could be an old Mercedes-Benz or it could be whatever. I like the fact, I like the idea of having my 997 Carrera. I like to have, you know, to have a 912 alongside the 997 Carrera. And then maybe also get a 997 one or two gt3 that would be good but then you know in saying that you know a 991 gt3 touring so you have the modern sort of modernish style 911 as well so you have a little bit from every kind of not every generation but you have a good good variety of of 911s um but to start with, I like the idea of having it air-cooled. I do like the 911 uh, SCs. Uh, I do like the you know, 911 Carrera 1987, obviously, G50 gearbox, the better gearbox. Uh, I do like those. Um, but I, all, I really do like the simplicity and the, I don't know, the essence of the 912. There's something about it. There's something about it. And those of you who know about 911 prices will understand that the, you know, to get a 1965 911 is really, really expensive. Uh, a 912 is still a lot cheaper than getting a, um, 9, a 911 of the same sort of year. Um, maybe that will change, and it appears to be changing. There are some expensive ones for sale at the moment. Um, bring a trailer. They seem to be going for around the 40,000 mark. It looks like a reasonable one is somewhere around 35 to 45,000. The one that I saw at Beverly Hills Car Club in the green, Irish green, that's uh, almost 50, that's pretty much 50,000 US dollars. And um, bear this in mind, when, if, I do, if I do bite the bullet on this and I do actually buy a 912, my wife is not completely convinced, but you know she's, she likes the look of them as well. But if I do buy a 912, I have to take into account that one, I will ship it to Australia. Uh, then I have to pay freight, duty, etc. Um, maybe what they have in Australia called luxury car tax if it's over X amount of money. I think it's $60,000 Australian. 
uh, and then compliance, which is another you know four or five thousand dollars, say max, just put it on the side, and then maybe keep another five grand aside for like a service or general fix up things if it's needed. So really, I mean, <clears throat> where I'm at, fifty thousand US dollars is probably the maximum. And of course, when you give yourself a ceiling, you always find something that is above that ceiling. Um, so I have found a couple of other ones. Ones that are for sale in the UK. The only problem I have with buying one in the UK is that the prices, I think, are slightly inflated because most of them are US cars. Uh, they have been imported at some stage by somebody, an enthusiast, and they have been uh, restored. The ones I'm looking at are restored. I mean, there's a great champagne yellow one for sale. Um, but those cars, like the champagne yellow one, which is which is a beautifully, beautifully uh, presented car, um, that is at about high 50,000 pounds. Um, the high 50,000 pounds, and once you bring it into Australia and you do all the rest of it, it gets quite expensive. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit too much. Um, unfortunate because it is a nice looking car. Yeah, so I found, <coughs> I found a few on, um, on Bring a Trailer. Uh, sorry, I found a few on Classic Car Trader, I think it's called. Um, and I found, you know, there's the ones on Bring a Trailer, which I'm watching. And then there's also one, actually, there's two in Australia. There's two in Australia now for sale. Uh, and the second one came up this morning. The second one is not really, uh, is not really what I was looking for because it's got the more racing type seats. It's got a different airbag, a different steering wheel, not the original steering wheel, more of a racing type steering wheel. It's got like stopwatch on the, on the dash. Um, but that's asking price 95,000 Australian dollars. The other one that's been on for sale for a while, which I actually did send the guy a question about it, but um, in Australia, uh, they're a little bit behind on, on how to sell a car because it seems that no one is serious unless you phone them. If you send them a message, they don't want to answer it. Um, so the other one is a 69912, <clears throat> which is a long wheelbase, and that one is... What is it? Eighty. It's eighty thousand Australian, eighty-two and a half thousand Australian, and the nineteen sixty-seven, <coughs> which I think is a short wheelbase, which has the Fuchs wheels. Um, that's ninety-five thousand Australian dollars. The one I'm interested in is the nineteen sixty-nine. And like I said, I did ask the guy a couple of questions about it, uh, especially about seeing the under underside of the car. Uh, he's decided that uh, not to answer me because he's only taking phone calls. Um, it obviously would be a lot easier to buy a local car than to buy a car from the US, but I don't think buying a car from the US or the UK is that much of a drama. I think it's pretty easy. Um, I've read up on it a little bit, and I think this is the same for importing from any country. Um, there's companies that will do the whole thing for you. Apparently, it's only around about 5000 to do a car, 5000 Australian dollars. Um, then you've got like, I think, three or so thousand from customs, and then you've got to add in goods and services tax, and then you might have to add in luxury car tax. All up, it doesn't work too bad. Um, a 50,000 US dollar car, and, and this is also giving a little bit of buffer to get the compliance done when it arrives in the country. And also, I added in a little bit of a buffer to do any minor repairs that may be done. I think a $50,000 US car works out to be 100,000 Australian dollars. Um, and if I get my calculator here, 100,000 Australian dollars is around about, yeah, so it ends up being a $70,000 um, 912 once it's launched, once it's arrived in Australia. Um, I think that is okay. 
know what I mean? I think that is, I think that is okay. A hundred thousand, I think, is about the limit that you want to pay at a nine twelve. I don't think you're going to lose money on a nine twelve. I think if you buy the right one, you won't lose money. Um, but you know, it just depends on how much your money you want to spend at the time. I've never bought a classic car before. Um, I have driven old cars in the past when I was younger. Um, I know what they're like. I know what it's like to drive a old Volkswagen Beetle or an old Morris Minor or an old an old Mini. You know, I know what those cars are like to drive. I've driven many of them. Um, what it's like to drive an old Porsche, I'm not sure. I think the experience would be much better. Um, I can only take it from driving videos that I've watched. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Um, I only talk about these things and... and I don't think I've had any bad comments from from anyone really, but you know, it's not that I change my mind on things all the time or I think that I want something over another thing. It's just like there are so many options to buy in the Porsche world. There are so many cars you can buy. I can see why people collect Porsches. I can see why they have a 912, a 911S, a 911T. They might have a, a new Touring or they might have a GT2 RS and then they might have a 356 and you know, you can understand it because every car is different. Every car has a different purpose. Every car makes you feel slightly different. I like the idea of driving an old car. I like the idea of getting into a car that's from the 60s. And and really the closest you can come to ever being in the 60s is being in a car from the 60s. Uh, I like the fact that there's a lot of sound. I don't have a problem with the lack of power. Uh, remember the 912 is a four-cylinder. Uh, some people make them faster than that. They fix the engine up to be faster. Some people replace the engines with, uh, you know, different engines from different suppliers that have been tweaked. But I think it's, um, but it's the experience. I think it's good to have an older car and a newer car and experience it all, really. Um, my preference, too, with the 912 is that they do come with Fuchs wheels on some of them. I don't know whether they're period correct because I'm not sure when the Fuchs wheels were available as an option. I actually like the chrome wheels with the chrome hubcap with the um, Porsche emblem. I like the older, older-looking style ones. Uh, I do like, <coughs> I do like those wheels better. But that's what I've been doing on the 912 front. Like I said, uh, I like the one in Australia, which is in San Beige. I like the green one at uh, Beverly Hills Car Club. Uh, I like the champagne yellow one, which is on uh, Classic Car Trader or something in the UK, which was owned by a um, pretty well-known upholsterer in the UK, and this guy's had it for a few years. But that's top dollar. Um, but it is very, very nice. It's got the um, Pepita sort of gingham sort of fabric seats and it's been completely restored. And the person that restored it actually does, um, is actually, that's his occupation. And so the interior is is amazing. It really is amazing. So that's the 912. Back to the car that I have, my 997 Carrera, which is in Sydney in storage. Some of you know, and I mentioned this before, is I'm getting some leather parts for the car. Um, I'm just waiting for the guy in the UK to respond to me. Uh, as I said before, I seem to be having issues with getting getting him to respond, but um, I'm going to get uh, a few leather parts done. Uh, last night, I bought a pair of old 997 sun visors. I think they're in beige, in the beige plastic. I'm going to get my sun visors covered in, I'm going to get them covered in leather. Um, so I bought them off uh, 911 UK Forum, is it? 911 UK Forum, off a very helpful guy. So I bought them. He's going to send them directly to the um, upholsterer in the UK. He's in the UK. So I'll get them done in black leather <coughs> with the matching factory stitch. I think it has cross stitch on one edge and then plain stitch on the other. 
I like to get the things in leather for the 997 that are things that you that you touch while you're driving. Things that you, not necessarily while you're driving, but the things that you, you know, you act with. I can't think of the word. Things that you, you know, you interact with in the car. So I wasn't going to get the sun visors. Uh, my mate in Australia, uh, he sent me the link for this uh, for these visors from the seller in um, the UK. <clears throat> they only cost me forty pounds as well, forty pounds and three pounds shipping, which is really really cheap. I haven't got the price yet of how to, of <clears throat> how much they're going to cost to cover, but I don't think it's going to be that expensive. If you buy new leather sun visors from Porsche, they're around. And I'm quoting U.S. price because this was on Suncoast. They're around thirteen hundred U.S. dollars. Uh, exclusive option, who also does leather covering. I think his price is around eleven hundred U.S. dollars. So they're not cheap. Uh, I think the guy in the U.K. is going to be cheaper. Uh, like I said, it's better. I thought that I gave him the part for those because the 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 part to buy as a just a separate part, the vinyl sun visor part, is very expensive. So I just wanted to cut some costs down. So I'm getting that done. Uh, I'm getting the inner door seals done in leather. Uh, controversial, I know. Some of you have said, why would you want inner door seals in leather? Because they're just going to get scuffed, they're going to get dirty. The reason is because they look fantastic and they really do bring up the level of the car. And when you get into your car, every time you get into your car, you notice them. Every time I get into my mate's GD3 and he's got them, I notice the inner door seals in leather and the carbon and how well they go together. Um, so I'm getting those done and I'm getting the surround for my light console in the roof, sunroof surround, I think they call it. I'm getting that done in leather as well. So they're all done in black leather. They're all going to have factory match OEM stitch, factory match, factory match leather, factory matched OEM stitch. So it's like the white sort of colored stitch. So that's what I'm getting done. Uh, the other part, which I'm trying to get done, if we can, if we can get the part, I think I found the part last night though, so I could actually purchase it and send it to him, is the back of the rear seats because I like the rear seats folded down and you have the plastic uh, rest. I think it's when you put bags on it so they don't move forward, the plastic rest. Um, so I'm going to get that covered in leather as well because it looks good with the stitch detail. So they're the main things I'm going to get done now. And then I had a thought, what's the other part in the car which makes a huge difference? I don't want to mess around with the doors too much. Um, but the other part in the car which makes a huge difference is the center console. <clears throat> um, Porsche obviously had this as an option. You could have had a full leather console. If you buy the part from Porsche, from Suncoast, I forget how much it is. I think it's around $3,000. US um, The guy in the UK that I'm using, he actually does them as well. I don't know at the moment whether it's cheaper to get a very old used console. Um, and I'll refer to my friend in Sydney again who owns a GT3. Uh, he found one for me for 100, uh, only 100 Australian dollars, but it means I would have to do it later. I would have to, when I go back to Australia, I'd have to bring it back in my luggage and then get it done and then take it back again. I'm not sure whether I want to do that, but it could work out to be the cheapest option. It is only $100. Uh, I haven't actually told him to buy it. I'm not sure because I'm trying not to spend too much money until I find out how much it would be to cover the center console in leather. But obviously the center console is a, a painted part. It's a plastic part, I should say. Some people get it painted in the body color. It looks good when it's painted in the body color as well. Like you could get paint, I could paint it in Arctic silver. Um, that's another option. I worry about how it's going to wear. I think the leather side of it would be better for me. I think it suits the way I'm going in the direction of the car that I'm going. Um, so I do want to do it. I'm just not sure whether to do it now. 
And some of you will know the reason why is because there are other things that I want to do mechanically to the car. Uh, one thing that needs to be done on my 997 is the steering rack. Uh, there is a slight leak, which I have to do when I go back to Australia. But I do want to upgrade the suspension. I do want to get the um, Bilston, Bilston Pro Kit. I forget what it's called. Um, but the Bilston Pro Kit suspension. I do want to upgrade my suspension. Um, so that's one thing I do. And also the brakes on my car need to be done as well on my 997. So that's another cost. So when you're doing things with your Porsche, you have to weigh it up. What's important, what's not important. I think the few leather parts that I've got will make a difference. Of course, the center console in leather will really, really tie everything in. Uh, and that's the reason why I, I do want to do it. It will tie everything in. Um, but I've asked the question on how much it costs to get it covered if I supply the part. If it's under 500 pounds, which I doubt very much, I might do it. Um, I know this uh, <clears throat> this guy has also got one on sale on eBay, which is uh, he sells it complete. He'll provide the part as well, and it's around sixteen hundred pounds, which is about still cheaper than getting the port direct part directly from Porsche. I don't know how much he would take off if you supplied the console yourself, the plastic console part. Maybe it's half, maybe it's less. Um, so I've asked that question, and hopefully I'll find out soon. But the things, like I said, that I'm getting done, definitely the sun visors. Uh, they're already being. They're going to be sent to him anyway. Inner door seals, which are going to look fantastic, and uh, I'll tie those inner door seals up with the stainless steel seal, the outer stainless steel seal, which I'll buy from Design Nine Eleven. Uh, they're not cheap. They're about three hundred and thirty pounds for the pair, um, but I will get those as well. Um, so that will be done for my car, and that's about it. I think uh, I'm trying to be reasonably sensible. Also because I'm not driving the car very much. It's like you spend all this money and you don't get to enjoy it. But I will get to enjoy it and I will get to enjoy it, you know, soon enough. Uh, I'm not being, I'm not going to be in Bahrain forever. So I will be going back to Australia and I will be spending more time in London again eventually. But at the moment I am in Bahrain. So I have to be sensible with what I decide to do and what I don't want to do. But that's the plan. The 912 one, though, is a tricky one because um, I'm in a fortunate enough position where I, I could buy a 912 um, I could buy it if it's around that that price point that I said if it if it's no more than a hundred thousand Australian dollars landed I could do that but it has to be the right one has to be the right timing and I have to be able to do it completely remotely uh, I have to be do it, be able to do it from here in Bahrain and then I have the problem which you know is the problem once you do it is once it arrives in Australia and maybe it goes to order house Hamilton and they do a service on it and they do the compliance for me <clears throat> but then I have to put it somewhere uh, our apartment in Sydney only have one car space um, I'd have to either rent a car space I'd either have to rent a storage space I guess I could give it to someone to use uh, but then they'd have to have a spare space as well so it's kind of a little bit tricky it's a bit tricky because it, it you, ne you need to have this all has to be worked out before you buy it I guess you have to work all this out um, so that's something that's in the back of my mind as well. What do I do with it when I'm not there? But like I said, I could put it in storage. I could put it in classic car storage. And then when I go back towards the end of the year, then I can, I guess, drive it and see if I made a good purchase or not. It's a bit weird though, because then there's months go by before you actually see the car or, or see if there's anything wrong with it. But I guess once you bought it and it's arrived in Australia, there's not much you can do anyway. So you can only really do the checks beforehand. But an interesting thing about bring a trailer actually, and I guess this is probably more relevant to Australian listeners, uh, maybe UK listeners. What I don't understand is, is that in Australia, they have a site called Car Sales, 
Car sales has the market. It's had the market for years. But, you know, people continually uh, list cars on this on this site. And they list a car like, let's just say like the 912 that came up today in red. They, they literally put, the sellers literally put four images of the car. They put four images. They only want to take phone calls, not not email or messages. I mean, you know, I don't understand. In the day, in the in these days, you know, you live in the Middle East. Most people communicate by WhatsApp and email. Uh, very rarely do you actually speak to people. And I don't understand when you're selling a car that if you, it's only the serious people that call you, which is just absolute rubbish. And you know, I don't know how you can make a, if the car's interstate, unless you actually fly interstate, you can't make a a, a good decision on the car. A balanced decision. And this is why I think bring a trailer is such a good medium to do it. And I just don't understand. I mean, I've seen people like Doug DeMuro on YouTube, who has a YouTube channel. I see he's doing a similar sort of site. I think uh, Chris Harris in the UK collecting cars, I think he's doing a similar auction site. I don't understand these companies like car sales in Australia, where they're just got, they're so, um, they're so secure in their in their position that they don't think things are going to change. They don't think they're going to lose out. Um, there's such a gap there. Bring a trailer, honestly. Bring a trailer. If anyone knows anyone that works there, they really should go and and go into the Australian market and open up into the Australian market. Bring a trailer is, uh, you know, the fact that you've got so many images, you've got videos, you've got people's experience in the comments. That's how you should buy a car. And you can buy a car without seeing it. And that's what I think is the benefit of it. You can buy a car without seeing it. This stupid old model like car sales, it's like classifieds. It just doesn't work anymore. And then the sellers, most of these sellers that sell these cars are also arrogant that they don't want to take, you know, they'll only take calls. Don't be a tire kicker. Don't contact me if you're a tire kicker. I don't understand. You ask questions about a car. That means you're a tire kicker. It's such an old way of thinking. Uh, I don't. I'm going on a bit of a rant, sorry, but it's just a, a, such an old way of thinking, and I just don't understand it. Um, and I guess being away from Australia, I can sort of look at it more clearly. But um, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. This is why most companies don't last more than a hundred years because event because they don't change. They don't see that they have to change, and they don't see that they have to become. You know, they have to they have to modify their their model for the environment the changing environment, and they, they just don't. They just don't. Anyway, so that's what's been happening in my Porsche week. I don't think I bought anything else. I bought the uh, Type 7 book, Type 7 book, which is Porsche's Instagram run by Ted Gushu. Is that how you say it? I bought the Type 7 book a week ago, but I got that sent to London. I didn't actually get it sent here. So I bought that. Uh, what other Porsche books did I buy? Nothing Nothing other in Porsche. I think that's about it. Um but anyway, it's a still a sunny day here in Bahrain. It's, uh, what is it? It's almost 6 p.m. in the evening. Um, I really appreciate all the uh, support of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, reviews are appreciated. If you'd like to review this podcast, put in a review because it always helps. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye for now. <laughs>